Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. We want to open up our Bibles this evening. I, uh, I am so grateful for the Bible. Uh, we've been uh, in our Bible study, our adult Bible study that we have on Saturday, every other Saturday evening. Uh, one of the things that comes out from that, it seems, every, every time we gather, is, uh, is the, once again, the appreciation for the Word of God. And we really should have a deep appreciation for God's Word. It is His miracle, right? It is His source of life, His source of wisdom and strength. And uh, I'm, so, um, I'm so glad that we have embarked on this yearly Bible reading program, and this is another message that comes directly from that, uh, actually from today's reading. And uh, what I love about the Word of God is that it is an inexhaustible resource. And what I mean by that is that the Bible is simple enough, it is clear enough for even children to understand the basic concepts. And just like the ocean, there are places in the ocean that you can bring your children to a calm area and your children can play in the water. Uh, But also, just like the ocean, the Word of God has deep fathoms, places like the ocean, that no man would ever dare to tread. And the Word of God similarly has concepts and principles that we can spend our whole lives contemplating, thinking about, praying about, chewing on, and still never fully grasp the depths of God's understanding. So when I come across a scripture, a story that I am inspired about, and I realize that I haven't preached about it, this is what gets me excited. And so this is one of those examples tonight. I don't believe I've ever preached on this story before, but it is an interesting one from Numbers chapter 11. If you will join me there, Numbers chapter 11. 11. As you know, this story comes out of the history of Israel, God's people. As they are wandering through the desert, Moses is leading them. And under the direction of God, we know the, the, the fire by night, the pillar of smoke during the day. And they are, uh, they are wandering through the desert because of disobedience and ingratitude. And so this is a, this is a story that, that uh, is, is quite interesting to me. And to get your mind moving the right direction, I want to tell you a story that came to mind as I was reading this particular story in the Bible. And it has to do with my brother, John. Now, he's my younger brother by two years. And when we were growing up, uh, we discovered that John had a little problem with uh, being a pyromaniac. And uh, so he enjoyed lighting things on fire, and I did not discourage him. 
Uh, in fact, I was kind of half of the pyromaniac that he was. And uh, so my mom was just telling me before the service, she remembers uh, opening the bathroom door to find him lighting a toilet paper roll on fire and then unrolling it into the, into the, uh, into the toilet as fast as he could. Uh, children, don't, don't listen to this part of the sermon. And uh, so it was kind of a miracle that our house never burned down. But one, one, uh, one day, as my mom uh, recalls, uh, my brother comes to her and says, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a smoker. Our stepdad at the time was a smoker, and so he thought somehow that that looked cool. And I, I called my brother this afternoon to, to see what he remembered about this store. And, he, and what he told me was that, yeah, I just thought smoking was cool. And so I thought, I'm going to be a smoker when I grow up. And so uh, the strategy that my mom came up with was, okay, we're going to go out to the desert. This is Arizona. And we're going to buy a bunch of uh, no-filter camels. Back in those days, you know, they had the little camel cartoon character on the front. And we're going to let him smoke to his heart's content and see how many he gets before he gets completely sickened. So that's what they did. And <laughs> so there they are. They light him up. And he, uh, he starts smoking the first one. And to uh, everyone's amazement, he's not coughing. The smoke is rolling out of his nostrils. He gets through the first one, the second one, third one. By the time they got to the fifth one, my mom said, this is not working. <laughs> and uh, the intended effect, of course, was to give him as much as he could stand so that he would never want to smoke again. And I guess by that standard it worked because he did not become a smoker. But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that he would, he would smoke out a donut, you know. Uh, he was like an expert without knowing it. But... This strategy of give it to them until it comes out their ears uh, is not original to my mom. This is actually found in the scripture we're about to read. If they, they, if they want it so bad, they're going to get it until it comes out their ears. This is exactly God's strategy in Numbers chapter 11, beginning with verse 4. It says, then the foreign rabble, I'm reading from the new Living translation once again. The foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. Too bad they didn't have mouthwash in those days. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Verse 10. Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining. And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. Verse 18. Skip down. It says, Say to the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried, Oh, for some meat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have to eat it. And it won't be just for a day or two or five or ten or twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. 
For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you, and you have whined to him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? Tonight I want to uh, preach a message I've titled, When God Gives You What You Wanted. And let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for the spirit of the living God. We thank you that you are faithful, God, that even in your corrections, God, that you show mercy and grace, Lord, that we don't deserve. I'm praying, God, that you would deliver us from the desires of our flesh. And God, that you would raise us up to be a people righteous, set apart, and holy for you. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. I want to begin with this thought of sleep with the dogs, wake up with the fleas. Because really, the problem of this scripture began because the people were disobedient in ridding themselves of the foreigners that were traveling with them. This was a commandment that God gave to his people from early on in scripture. He says, listen, guys, I want you to be separate from the other nations around you. I want you to come out from them. This coming out from Egypt was more than just a physical deliverance. It was a statement to the rest of the world going back to the promise that God gave to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you a peculiar people. I'm going to make you a different kind of people. I'm going to make you a people that worships one God which is so different than all the other nations and tribes. They believed in many gods and polytheism. And God said, you're going to be different. You're going to worship the one true God. You're not going to follow in their practices. You're not going to dress the way that they dress. You're not going to speak the way that they speak. You're going to live differently. And so because of that, I don't want you mixing together with all of these foreigners. And you will discover as you read uh, throughout the history of, of Israel that whenever they begin to intermingle and mix with other nations, this was not about racial tension, this was about cultural tension, that when they began to mix, I want to tell you, problems ensued. They began to have a clash of cultures. They say, if you go to sleep with dogs you will wake up with fleas. And that is what began to happen in our scripture. Verse 4, it says the words foreign rabble. That's how the New Living Translation uh, renders it. But in the New King James or the Old King James, it would say the word mixed multitudes. And this this is the clue that tells us that they had refused to kick out some people that shouldn't have been there. This really comes down to a refusal to exalt the standards of God and to live according to God's standards. It's a good thing that uh, nobody has that problem anymore in 2021. It's a good thing that Christians now today, that we have no problem keeping high standards for the kingdom of God. Got real quiet real quick. Because this, is, this has not changed in the thousands of years since God's people came out of Egypt. Can I tell you, God still has high standards for his people? God still calls us to high living, high morality. 
God still calls us to be righteous and moral. I'm not saying that, that anyone here is going to become an angel overnight. But I am saying that there is a standard of morality in the kingdom. And that we should strive for perfection. Nothing less. That we should strive to do as God commanded us to do. And if there are those in our midst who are not striving for that, then they don't have a place among us. They warned. The Apostle Paul warned of the leaven of sexual immorality. It's a good thing we don't have to deal with that in 2021. Because he says it's like a leaven. It's like the yeast of the bread that when you mix it in to the rest of the, uh, the, the, the dough, that it begins to spread and infect throughout the whole thing. This is the same what happens today in churches who refuse to judge wickedness. Refuse to, to, uh, to treat this as God treats it. He says there's no place among the congregation. This is the correct word to use about the people in the wilderness. They, God said, these are my congregation, my assembly. These are the ones I've called out of the world and I've called into my kingdom. This is a perfect picture, parallel to the church today. We are called to be come out of the world and into the kingdom. And part of kingdom living means living different from the world. Very similar to what I preached this morning. You know, those, those principles, those financial principles, very few people are following. I was surprised when Dave said only 4% of, of Americans have a fully funded emergency fund. That's, yeah, that's, that's really weird to be one of only 4%. Well, you know what? God called us to be weird. You know why? Because normal is broke. Normal is in debt. Normal is addicted to perversion. Normal is drinking until you can't see straight. Normal in our culture is lying to get your way. That's normal. If that's normal, I don't want to be normal. I want to be different. I want to be unique because that is what God calls us to be. Their problem began when they refused to kick the dog out of the bed. And so they woke up with the fleas. Which dogs are in your bed this evening? Which addictions are you allowing to remain in your life? Which habits, which thoughts are you refusing to say, get out of my life? Because those things that we allow to remain will cause us great problems. The enemy. How many know the enemy? We have a, we have a deceitful enemy who knows our weaknesses. You know, he's got surveillance on you. He watches you. Now, we know that the devil, he's not, he's not the same as God. He doesn't have, you know, the ability to, to control the weather or things like that. But you know what the devil does have is he has a legion of demons that he can send to watch you. He's got surveillance on you. He listens to the words you sp- speak. He watches the places you go. He watches and what temptations work. And he is a careful observer of your life which means he knows which buttons to push at what time. This is why he is such an effective tempter. 
And this is why we must continue to strive. No matter how long you've been saved, if it's five minutes, five years, or five decades, we must continue to strive to rid ourselves of wickedness. To continue to see the foreigners, the mixed multitude that still exists within our own heart and our own life and our own thoughts. And say, Lord, this is not right. I so thank God for the testimony of our brother Andre, who testified in our Bible study about, uh, about actions. And uh, according to his own testimony, he said he spoke in a way that was out of his own character. He goes back to begin to ask for forgiveness. See, listen, we've got to be willing to deal with the areas of flesh where there is still mixed multitudes among us. Now remember, God is trying to set them free from the nation of Egypt. You know what's interesting about Egypt? We know that it is symbolic of the old life, the life of sin, right? If you uh, literally translate the Hebrew word for Egypt, it literally means a place of bondage or limitation. The word that they use to describe that nation is a place of bondage. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter, which started with the Jewish celebration of Passover. And what Passover is, the reason why God commanded his people, he said, I want you to celebrate this Passover holiday is because I want you to remember that God is able to set you free from your place of bondage. See, what Egypt represents is the old life. Passover is the celebration of the breaking of bondage, the loosening of chains, the opening of prison doors, exactly what Jesus said that he has come to do. He said, I have come to set the captive free. That's what the Passover is. That we serve a God who did miracles, signs, and wonders to get his people out of Egypt. But you know the problem is that it's one thing to bring the people out of Egypt. But the problem was that Egypt was still inside the people. This is what Pastor Campbell has been preaching about in the last few years. The difference between deliverance and dominion. When he wrote that book, From Deliverance to Dominion, he made a, a very a powerful observation, is that it's possible for God's people to be delivered from their sin, to come out of Egypt, and yet to still not have dominion, to still not be in the place that God has for them. That's what these uh, children of Israel are experiencing. They've been delivered. They've been set free. They're no longer bound by chains and shackles to their Egyptian captors, are they? But they are still not in dominion. They're still living as though slaves, even while they're free. I see, unfortunately, many believers still living the same way. Set free by the blood of Jesus, sitting in church chairs, wearing ties, and still acting as if they are a slave to sin. Here they are, dreaming, wishing, hoping, waiting for the day that they could go back and experience 
the goodies that were in Egypt. Let's talk about the pleasures of Egypt. So in Hebrews chapter 11, where it begins to outline the heroes of our faith, you're very familiar, and begins to speak at length about Moses. And speaking about this time, about why Moses was such a great hero of the faith, it says this about him in Hebrews eleven twenty five, that he, Moses, chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Would you say that with me tonight? The passing pleasures of sin. Try that again. The passing pleasures of sin. Now, the Bible's, you know, is a very, um, it's a useful book. It's a practical book because it does not deny that there are pleasures in sin. If sin was not pleasurable, then no one would engage in it. I wish to God that sin would be something that we would, could not stand. But the truth is that there is pleasure in sin. That's why people are bound and addicted to it. Just like a drug, you know, uh, the, the Coke dealer always gives the first dose for free. Why? Because there's pleasure in getting high, and then they, they come back again for the second dose, and all of a sudden, the rates go up. This is the passing pleasure of sin. Sin does have pleasure in it. And this, this is what they are remembering about Egypt after they've been set free, now that they're wandering and going toward the place that God has for them. But here they are, whining, complaining, being reminded of their passing pleasures. They said, oh, oh, we remember, verse 5, the fish, the cucumbers, melons, the leeks and onions. Oh, we remember all the stinky foods. Oh, the strong flavors, the spices, the garlic. Oh, we had some strong garlic the other day. You know, when you eat that strong garlic and it stays with you for like 24 hours, seeping out of your pores. Man, whoo! And they said, oh, oh, we remember. Isn't it funny that they couldn't remember the chains? They couldn't remember the whippings? They couldn't remember the harsh taskmasters? They couldn't remember working for, for hours and hours and hours while the sun was out? They couldn't remember all of the pain and agony? They couldn't remember 400 years crying out to God, deliver us! Oh, but they could remember the fish. And the garlics. This, beloved, is the unfortunate addiction that our flesh has to passing pleasures. Your flesh loves the passing pleasures. But the truth is tonight that they are passing. The passing pleasure of sin only satisfies for a moment. That there is a desire, you fulfill the desire, you fall into temptation. And how many understand that after the pleasure has passed, you are filled with grief, condemnation. And rightfully so, the judgment of God, especially as a Christian, man, you are ruined to the world of sin. You are ruined to the life of the 
pleasure that you used to enjoy as a sinner. Why we say there's no such thing as a successful backslider. Because I've seen people leave the house of God, seen people leave the will of God, leave the church, leave the place and the position that, they, that, that God had brought them to and try to find some satisfaction in the world. It's not the same. It's not the same. The parties are not the same. The booze, not the same. You try to cover up like Adam in the garden and it doesn't work. It's passing. And this is, this is where they're at right now, wishing that, oh God, that we could go back into slavery so that I could just have a few more goodies. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Pastor Adam back with you again. Just wanted to give you this report that uh, you have been doing a great job of sharing the news of this podcast and continuing to download uh, episodes on a daily basis. The show has been growing by leaps and bounds. There's more of you listening now than at any other time in the podcast history. So we just want to say thank you once again for tuning in and listening to these anointed sermons. I just want to ask you one thing real quick. If you could do us a favor and leave us a review, especially those of you on Apple devices, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, uh, we need some five-star reviews. And also, uh, if you could leave a few notes in there about what you like best about this podcast, it would really, really help us. I'm sure that you know somebody who could use a daily podcast to get them through the day. Please make sure you share it with them. And uh, also, uh, we are trying to get our hands on sermons from all across our fellowship. If you've got some good ones to share with us, we'd encourage you to please contact us using the links in the show notes. We'd love to feature your sermons from your church as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this sermon. This is the slippery slope of government handouts. Can I be real with you? It's nice to have a pay, you know, a paycheck from the government every once in a while. But what's the cost? What's the cost? It's nice when, you know, we, we get a, a check and you can go to the doctor and you don't have to pay anything. And, but what's the cost? We're quickly losing liberty. That's another sermon. Here they are wishing they could go back into bondage just so I could get another handout. This is where many people live today in the house of God. Here they say, in verse 10, it says, Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining. Mm. You know what this is? Here God has done incredible miracles for them. Here God has uh, plagued the land of, uh, of Egypt, right, so that they could be set free. Here God has parted the Red Sea for them, and they walked on dry ground. Here God has provided water from a rock for them. And not to mention what we're going to read in a minute, the manna that God had miraculously provided as sustenance along the way. We know it was supposed to be temporary, 
probably supposed to only be for a few weeks, a couple of months at the most. But no wonder they're getting tired of it because now it's been years of manna. And there they are because of all the blessings of God whining. Mm. How many of God's people have I observed whining and complaining? Because of all of the miracles that God has done. Oh, it's hard, Pastor. I'm having a hard time. Yeah. It's not an easy life. I'm not sure where we got that expectation from. It's, it's hard to live for God. It's hard to stay righteous. It's hard to pay my tithe. Hard. All the meanwhile, we forget about the incredible miracles that God just did to set us free and deliver us from bondage. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? They're whining. Now they're feeling as though God's blessings are a curse. Beware. Beware when you find yourself complaining about the blessings of God. Complaining, oh, why do we got to have church two times on Sunday? Man, everybody, every other Christian I know only has church one time on Sunday. What we should be saying is, thank God I can worship God twice in the assembly of God. I don't have to go to church twice. I get to go to church twice. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, but I didn't get my nap in. Can I remind you tonight, your best day as a sinner, you were still on your way to hell. When you thought you were all that and a bag of chips, when you thought you were God's gift to every woman or to every man, you were going to split hell wide open. Can you remember? Can These people, they've forgotten. What, what the chains felt like. What the whip in the back felt like. But what they could remember was the onions. And here they are, they say in verse 6, our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. And this reveals the true problem of many believers here is that they don't have an appetite for what God has for them. God has miraculously rained down food on them. And he says, this is enough for you. But what are they saying? They're saying, we're not hungry for that anymore. We're hungry for other things. Pastor, preach new sermons to us. Pastor, preach something more exciting. You know what the New Testament called that? Itching ears. Wanting to hear something new and exciting. Can I re- just tell you, I got nothing new for you. I got a lot of old things that you need to hear. I've got some manna, which is God's miraculous food. It might not be the, the most tasty and exciting thing, but I'm telling you, it's what you need. It's what I need. And when we ever find ourselves longing for something else, better check. Check what's going on in here. 
Because this whining, complaining, ingrateful attitude, I want to tell you, God does not put up with this crap. Just like when your children, when they become ungrateful, and guess what you do as a parent? Well, who paid the bills around here? Who gave you that bed? Who gave you that roof? That's what we do as good parents, right? Don't you think it makes God angry? When we complain against him, look at verse 10. The Lord became extremely angry. You do not want to be on the receiving end of that. Not only that, but Moses got pretty aggravated too. Look at what this complaining spirit will do. It aggravates the pastor and makes God angry. This is the wicked entitlement attitude of our generation. Like spoiled children. Demanding more. What you gave me, pops, it ain't enough. I demand more. You've got more. I know you're hiding more from me. This is the same lie that the devil spoke to Eve in the garden, isn't it? He's holding back from you, dear. See, God knows if you eat that fruit, there's more that he don't want you to have. And so this attitude of whiny, complaining, uh, entitlement attitude, God, I want what's coming to me. I'll tell you, it won't stand with God. You're holding back from us like Veruca Salt from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I want an Oompa Loompa now, Daddy. And what does he do? How much for the Oompa Loompa? Name your price. Whenever we find ourselves making demands, saying, God, what you've given me is not enough. Watch out. Because what comes next, you're not going to like it. Look at what God does. Verse 18. The Lord will give you meat. Okay, so you want the meat. You want, you want to be fed from the treasures of Egypt. Watch this. It won't be just for one day or two, five or ten or twenty, but for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. For you have rejected the Lord. God says, okay. You want meat? You're going to get it. And this to me is one of the scariest thoughts that comes out of the word of God is that if you want something bad enough, God will let you have it. When you become defiant to the living God, when you refuse to come under correction of God, the ultimate punishment is not just God pouring out his wrath, but the ultimate punishment is that you get what you want. You remember the story of Balaam, the prophet? And the, the story goes that, you know, he, he, uh, he wants to go speak to the king of uh, Balak, this false king. And God says, no, don't go talk to him. Don't do it. And he prays and says, Lord, I want to go do it. Because there was, a, there was a prophet in it for him. And he prays, God, I, I want to go talk to him. And God says, no, don't do that. And finally, he prays again, God, I, but I want to. I want to go do it. God says, fine, go ahead. Just do it. 
See what happens. I've seen God use this strategy, unfortunately. When we refuse to change, we refuse to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We refuse to come under God's correction. See, the reason God corrects us is because He loves us. He chastens those whom He loves. But when we stiffen our neck and become stubborn like these people, complaining against, why would you try to correct me, God? God says, okay, you want it, you're going to have it for a long time. Verse 31, it says how God fulfilled his promise. It says, now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all around the camp. For miles in every direction, there was quail flying three feet above the ground. They were buried in nasty little quail. You've been, you ever been around chickens? They are nasty creatures. Quail are basically small chickens, which means they, they, they poop twice as much. They were covered in droppings, not for one day or two days or three days or five days, for a whole month, up to their eyeballs. Verse 32, so the people went out and caught quail all that day throughout the night. They couldn't get enough. They began to gorge themselves. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. They spread the quail. Oh, they thought it was a good day. And right there, if we end the story right there without reading any more, then what it appears like is a successful backsliding. If that's where we stop the story, then it looks like they got what they wanted, and everybody's happy, right? Well, they got to eat. They got to have their fill. They got to gorge themselves until they can't see straight. Wonderful. Isn't this a blessing? And right there, see, it's, it's, it's very careful with people that you know who have turned away from God, and it appears as though life is going well for them. But I'm telling you, passing pleasures sin. There is always, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. See, don't get, don't, for those of you who are holding on to righteousness, I want to remind you that God keeps good books. God is a righteous and a holy God, and He will make things right. You know people where there is injustice involved, where evil has been done, and it appears that they got off scot-free. I assure you, they have not. It appears as though they got everything they wanted. How many crimes have been committed? There's no evidence. Police can't make an arrest. There's no evidence. Nobody knows. In the secret place, who killed that person or who raped or who maimed or who stole? Or I want to tell you who knows. There's a God. And it may appear that people get away with wickedness, but they will not. Let's close and look at the graves of gluttony. This is an incredible scripture. Stick with me tonight. Verse 33. While they were gorging themselves on the meat, While it was still in their mouth, 
the anger of the Lord blazed against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. And they called the place Kibroth Hatava, which in this scripture, in this version is translated graves of gluttony. Because there they buried the people who had craved meat from Egypt. Some of you know uh, a man, a, a politician named Mike Huckabee. He's got a television program now on TBN that I like to watch sometimes. But before he was uh, running for president, I believe this was back in like 2010, 2011, he wrote an autobiography, uh, and it was actually kind of a, a health book. And um, because he had lost a bunch of weight, and um, the title of the book always caught my attention, it was Digging My Own Grave with a Fork and Spoon. <laughs> Clever name. And he, he, in that book, he, he just talks about how, you know, he was basically eating himself to death. And, he, you know, if you knew of him before that time, he was a rather large man. And how he broke those habits and got healthy, and that's when he ran for president. And now I see that he's put on a little bit of weight again, <laughs> as, uh, as happens many times. But, but the truth of that title is really the truth of this scripture. That these people, the, the, the judgment that they suffered at the hands of God was really their own doing. See, it doesn't please God to judge people. It doesn't, it doesn't bring God joy to see people suffering. But that is the eventual end of rebellion and ingratitude toward God. He says, they dug their own grave by their own gluttony. Kibroth Hatava. They named the place. And every time they would pass this place, they would remember. Mm, because they were desiring the goodies of Egypt. And there they lay. Their gravestones marked the place where their own gluttony killed them. There are people today that if things don't change, you will be a, you'll be a parable for future generations. But here's the good news tonight. We can change. You don't have to stay on the path of wickedness. This is the hope of the gospel. And this is the hope of the Passover, which we will be celebrating in a few weeks' time. The blood of the Lamb washes away the stain of sin. It is only by the blood of the Lamb that they took and they painted on their doorposts. And because of that blood, the spirit of death passed over those households. And the next day, they marched on to freedom, didn't they? They were able to come out of bondage. Able to come out of the constraining place. That's Egypt. Because of the blood of Jesus. And that night, when Jesus was with his disciples at the Last Supper, do you know what they were celebrating? Passover. They were having the Passover celebration. They were dipping the bread in the, in the wine. They were, uh, they were having the traditional meal of, of the Passover holiday. And they were celebrating the very same thing that Jesus is about to go do for them again. 
He's saying, I'm going to shed my blood again. And if you will apply that blood to your life by faith, then you can come out of the shackles of sin. See, the first Passover brought the people out of Egypt. But the second Passover can bring the Egypt out of people. This is what our God can do. The cross of Christ is what finally delivers us from the pain and the suffering of our addictions to sin. It is where our flesh can finally be defeated. It is where we no longer have to bury ourselves in graves of gluttony. But we can rise above the gravity of sin, which pulls us all down, and we can make it into orbit of grace with God. My call to you tonight is not to lower the standards. See, God won't put up with that. God won't say, okay, we we can have, let's just have a, a, a combining of good standards and bad standards. No. See, the Word of God doesn't change. Even in 2021, even when morality is changing on a constant basis, even when today they say men can be women and women can be men and men can give birth and men can menstruate. These are things coming out of our culture today. And that young girls, if they want to become a boy and they're 14 years old, we don't need to tell the parents. Let's just put them on testosterone and see what happens. This is happening today. But I'm going to tell you, God's word doesn't change. The standards have not changed. The woe to those who call evil good and good evil. In the last days, this is what we're seeing before our very eyes. But I'm warning you, church, we must remain true to the standards that God has set before us. Let us never begin to long and hope and wish that we could just go back for one day. Let me ask you this question and we close. A thought experiment. If God gave you a day, a single 24-hour period, where you could do anything you wanted without any punishment from God, what would you do? If God gave you a single day where you could do anything you wanted without any judgment or retribution from the Lord, what would you do? Thank you, Jesus. If you love the Lord, if you love the Lord your God, then you still would not want to be in sin. If you love the Lord, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Nobody would have to twist your arm to follow God's commandments because of our love for the Lord and for our brothers and sisters. The point here tonight is that by the blood of Jesus, you and I can be set free. It was by the blood of the Lamb that they came out of Egypt, but it's by the blood of Jesus that Egypt can come out of you. Tonight, I want to encourage you to let that process continue. What foreigners do you have wandering around in your heart, in your mind, in your life that you have refused to judge, but many of us, we have places that are still holding on, areas of flesh that still demand the passing pleasure of sin. I encourage you tonight, you can be set free 
by the blood of Jesus. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Tonight, we thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.